Hello, everyone, and welcome to War of the Stars, a Star Wars podcast coming to you always from deep within the Outer Rim, far beyond the watchful eyes of the Galactic Empire. My name is Will, a.k.a. Darth Tuba, and joining me as always is one of our two co-hosts, Garrett. How are you today, Garrett? I'm doing great, uh, although it feels about the same temperature as if we had two suns broiling a desert planet. <laughs> yes. It's, uh, it's hot. And and right now, for me, it's like the uh, planet of Camino with the heavy amounts of rains that we are getting. And uh, we're supposed to be uh, um, getting a deluge of uh, water <laughs> coming down on us for the next 24 hours. Can so, you send so, some of that our way? Because we can use it. I really wish there was a technology that allowed us to do that, my friend, because I would love you to have it. Um, especially Cal- you know, California, my goodness. But uh, not joining us this week, of course, uh, John Mark, who is uh, on a, a much-deserved and much-needed vacation. Um, so we, we wish him well, and we promised him we wouldn't burn the place down while uh, he was away. So I, I made no such promises. <laughs> so, okay, well, you, you heard it here first, folks. You heard it here first. Okay. So we are, uh, you know, so as I said, we have a, we're dealing with a, uh, a, a lot of rain on this side of the country. And that is always a little scary for collectors of, of anything because of, you know, when most of us put our collections in our basements and our basements are the first things to flood. So we have uh, prepared, um, prepared our basements for, to, you know, the contingency plan if things start to happen. Speaking of that, I thought because that was not very much on my brain this week because I was setting things up for hopefully uh, no flooding, but you never can, you never can be too careful. I was going to talk tonight and see what you want to talk about regarding the state of collecting, the state of Star Wars collecting, what's been going on in it, in the world with that. There's been a lot of ups and a lot of downs, a lot of um, paradigm shifts, if you will, on how we collect over the last uh, decade, really, but especially in, you know, post-COVID and pandemic. So um, when it comes to... When it comes to uh, collecting, I, I'm kind of a weird thing about it. Like, I collect things because they catch my eye, not because, like, they're worth anything or have any kind of value. Mm-hmm. If they have value, cool. Um, I'm just – I'm. it's kind of a weird thing for me. I, like – I ha- my collections are there simply because um, it, it's something I like. Well, I would tell you that that's probably not as, as weird or different as you might think among most collectors, at least most collectors of Star Wars. I mean, if you, you have to take, you know, put aside the uh, people that are collecting very niche, very rare items, like the people like Gus Lopez, who collects props from the movies and like actual screen use props. I mean, these things, I mean, I could sell off my entire collection and I don't know if I'd be able to buy one piece of one thing that he has in his because it's just so expensive because of the rarity of it. But yeah. most, most people uh, that collect, um, you know, they have a, co- they collect whether, whether it's star Wars or um, you know, anything. I mean, I guess other common things are Lord of the Rings, He-Man, Transformers, uh, Marvel. I mean, there's also comic books in general. Yeah. Trading cards, uh, whether they be sports cards or non-sports cards. I think that, there's a lot of psychological things that go into why people collect. And I don't think it's any one thing value. um, That's a real hard one to do. It's, it's, it's challenging because um, you know, even Steven Sansweet who owns the number one largest 
collection Rancho Obi Wan in, in California, he he always answers the same question. When people ask how much is something worth, his answer is always the same: it's however much you're willing to pay for it. Yeah. And that that really does mess up the the playing field when it comes to what things are worth. Now, when you look at vintage collection, there's a lot of you know collectors divide things into two. There's pre 1986 collecting and post 1986 everything before 1986 had one very important detail there was a real finite amount of product made further back you go the the less they made that's why if you want to buy like when you know if you bought if you the biggest thing i'll talk about is action figures right they made a bunch of action figures made about roughly between 90 and 100 action figures in the vintage years but roughly a third for each movie but the ones in the first movie, like if you made a Stormtrooper or Darth Vader or a Chewbacca, in the next, and then Empire Strikes Back comes out, they just released the exact same figure. And then they released it again when Return of the Jedi came out. They created new figures too, but they had a lot of re-releases. And yeah. but it did so. So what a lot of people like to look for is, you know, Chewbacca on a Star Wars card, or Chewbacca on an Empire card. You know what I mean? It's 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 a whole bunch of things there, and there are people who do amass an amazing collection of these vintage carded figures now you know the, the lingo for people that don't know carded means it's still in the in the right so far so within the blister pack it hasn't right. been opened and... and then loose meaning and, and then is it but is it loose or is it just a loose card is it a loose figure that that's missing all of its accessories or is it loose and complete you know that kind of thing right i can tell you that um you know with each passing year the more vintage pre-85 86 figures do go up in price but if unless they are pristine carded or even you know slightly slightly damaged carded um y- y- there really isn't much of a guarantee of getting huge like put let's just say you're not going to put your kids through college no um, that and, and then then we talk about everything post that 1994-95 that's when they started with really you know, re revamp, you know, re energizing the Star Wars product engine, right? There was stuff in between there, but 94, 95, that's when they came out with the figures again. Yeah. Did you in ever fact, do you remember those? Oh, yeah. Well, what's for me, what's interesting is like, I remember going to like my local thrifty store before it got bought out by Rite Aid. <laughs> uh, my grandmother would take me and they had like this, this bargain bin of like, you know, you could all these figures from Star Wars, and she would buy me a bunch of like. I had a Rebel pilot. I had Luke in his in his Jedi tunic. I had uh, Leia in both the Boosh armor as well as her um, Endor uh, gear. As far as like you know, being a scout, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I had three PO and R two D two. I had Vader. Um. I had Chewbacca. I had the Ewok with the little pig hood from Return of the Jedi because I was born in 82. Return of the Jedi came out the following year, which is the first one I remember seeing in the theater. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they started pumping out the figures. As, I mean, I, I thought they were all there. But, and oh, I also had Lando in his bounty hunter garb from Jabba's Palace. Cool. That's one of and my so favorite I had, bunch, I had a bunch of these characters and... Um, it's, oh, I even had a scout trooper, but like, I remember getting them. But like, at some point, they they have gone into 
a box somewhere in my parents' house. <laughs> um, and I, I, for the life of me, can't figure out where the heck they are. That's what um, you have just described the story of so many young young or middle-aged men's lives where they yep. just, whether they were born in any time in the early 70s to the mid-80s and Star Wars was still in that popular phase and yep. that is where, where it went up. My my story actually goes much earlier. I was I was uh, six years old when the first movie came out in 77 and, mm-hmm. and, and, and we were no strangers to movie tie-ins. My brother was a big fan of those Mego se- seven, eight-inch figures and there yep. was, they had DC, Marvel, Star Trek, Planet of the Apes, and I remember play- my brother was into Planet of the Apes, so I remember yeah, had them for Battle of the Planets too. Yeah, we were playing with those, and it was fun, you know. But that, but my, I was too young pr- prior to Star Wars. You know, I'd gone to see Disney movies in the drive-in or whatever, but it really wasn't connecting. And then Star Wars came out, and of course, changed everything. And of course, we didn't, we probably didn't see that movie. I, you know, I was not one of those first few to see it when it was only in 32 theaters, I saw it like late in the summer, you know, and when it was finally everywhere. And back then the movies stayed in the theater for, you know, weeks and weeks and weeks at a time. And, uh, but we didn't really start seeing the toys come out until like the mid, mid, middle of early to mid 1978. So I go into a store with my parents, you know, I think it was the Quaker bridge mall in, uh, near, near, uh, I'm trying to think south near near South Brunswick in New Jersey, and there You're was saying a, names. I have no idea where anything is. Yeah, I know. That's all East Coast <laughs> for all those East Coasters who might know what I'm talking about. But anyway, um, do you ever hear of a toy store, KB Toy and Hobby? Oh yeah, we had okay. we had KB Toys right here in in Hanford. I think it was there, although I might have, or it could have just been in like a Sears or a JC Penney. I can't remember exactly, but I remember walking in and seeing all these figures dangling from these pegs. I'm like, wait a minute, you can actually get characters. From in a movie, even though I had seen that growing up, but I was only like two or three when I saw that. Yeah. Now I was really making the connection and having your own, maybe being able to have your own adventures, and that was really something. So my my parents bought us my brother a few, and I I think I had R two and Luke, and he had my brother had Chewbacca and Vader, and yeah. you know we played with them, and then birthdays came along, and there were more figures, and Christmases came along, and there were more figures and play sets. And uh, it was it was it was very much like my, I mean, you know, I did I did what the kids did. I played with played with them and did all sorts of. I used to play um, the album, the story of Star Wars, which was about a forty minute version of the story with a narrator and dialogue and music from the movie, and I would act it out, you know, with the toys that I had and with the, and of course I had the Death Star playset and I used to bl- nice. throw it up in the air and when it blew up, um, but it was great because you just put it right back together. It was fun. My, yeah, unfortunately my, yeah go ahead i was gonna say as far as toys like i had a lot of the figures well some some of the figures and i was able to play with them just enough i mean uh vader you know he didn't really have any accessories other than the the colored blade that went into his arm and his arm was just kind of like held yeah. still like this, and you just slid it up and oh and there's his lightsaber that that had um, to hurt <laughs> yeah. i always there's, thought that uh, but so what i would end up doing is i would uh, I had a lot of them from the 1980s. I had a lot of mask figurines. Uh, okay, I remember that. Matt Tracker and all that. Mm-hmm. And so I would incorporate uh, some of those figurines and I would do it on a smaller scale because I had more of those and play sets than anything else. Gotcha, right. Um, but I do remember as a kid, as far as like, as far as like 
dress up playset type stuff. Um, Cause I mean, I, at one point I, I think I did dress up as Luke Skywalker for Halloween, but like, I remember uh, when we were living in Phoenix, I had the cylinder, the plastic black plastic cylinder for a lightsaber toy. Yep. I remember that. Have the blade, but it had the stickers. And then um, at my grandmother's house, Han Solo's blaster and it had the return of the Jedi label on the side or maybe it was embossed into the plastic i don't know but i had that and i play with that all the time i just could never find any batteries for it <laughs> and i know and i think i think my grandmother was um and i appreciate this now as a parent to a small child but i think she was like no we don't have any batteries that fit that toy uh just to avo- avoid all the sound effects oh i know i know definitely can appreciate that uh, yeah, so there was a ton. And, and one of the things like, you know, and I've, there's been a lot of um, there has been a lot of documentaries, both, you know, more um, popular ones like The Toys That Made Us, which is a great thing on Netflix. Oh, yeah. I love that show. Also, um, I think it was called Plastic Galaxy was a was a more of a hmm. yeah, kind of in deep in the wood, deep in the weeds kind of thing where it was put. It was toy actually, Galaxy's got some good stuff, too. Yes, Toy Galaxy's put up some good stuff. Analog Toys, another YouTube channel that's talked a lot about it. One of the things that that, that uh, a lot of they were able to get a lot of the designers and and people from Kenner in Cincinnati and interview with them and you know the, it did it did kind of it's a, it's a fascinating story um, of why we have three and three quarter inch I mean three and three quarter inch wasn't really a thing before Star Wars and uh, meaning three and three quarter inches tall and there's a lot of urban yeah. legends as to why that was I mean you know, some people said it was the guy who ran um, Kenner who just kind of said make them that big. But there are other people that said they used these Fisher Price kind of people to, you know, as as demos. You know, they would they would sculpt, use Sculpey and stuff, and you know, make the make the characters out of that just to kind of give them an idea. But I think yeah. the real reason behind it was that that size was that they really wanted to sell vehicles. You know, they wanted to sell the Land Speeder and the X Wing and the Tie Fighter, and um, they knew that if they were going to do like twelve inch GI Joe figures. Like that was the popular thing at the You'd time. You have to get really massive toys, right? And that would just be uh, cost prohibitive to do that. So, oh yeah. Uh, so it was definitely driven, at least at first, it was driven by vehicles and playsets um, and things of that nature. And and I have, you know, I was fortunate enough to collect most of it in my childhood, just from just it's the only thing I ever wanted, you know, for 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 five, six, seven years. That was it. My parents yeah. would ask me, "What do you want for your birthday? Star Wars." <laughs> you know that Sears catalog would come and I would circle and they were they were you know they weren't into it but they understood that's what I liked so that's what they got and I was very fortunate um, that my parents were able to to kind of you know help you know support support my my slightly unhealthy habit of Star Wars collecting but um uh you know then eventually it became clearer that the figures are what people really were trying to go after so you know as Empire and Jedi came out there was more a lot more with creatures and characters from Jabba's palace, and because then they because then you could actually recreate those adventures and, or create something new with them, right? And, became, and the more accessories you had, or the more versions of a particular character, mm-hmm. uh, then you could re- reenact those scenes. I mean, having uh, Leia with the Boosh armor was kind of cool because she had the removable helmet and the and the Force Pike. Um, yep. Whereas if she if you had the version like I did where she's, you know, got her her uh, forest gear for for Endor, 
you know, she's got the cloak that, or the, the poncho that you could put over her and made of some kind of weird fabric, like a nylon type material. And then she had the little blaster gun. Um, so you, you two different things simultaneously and have different adventures going on, depending on what you want to do. Right. Right. Uh, so that went on, uh, for the first three movies. And then of course, when Return of the Jedi ended, there was, um, no new movie coming out. So Kenner did yeah. make, they made two last ditch efforts to, um, well, first Kenner did, and then Kenner and Lucasfilm. Kenner did, uh, the power of the force line, which was, uh, um, the figures with the coins, and I and I remember seeing that and, you know, first I remember seeing the commercial and in the commercial, there was, of course, the vast majority of the figures were already figures that I had got, you know, so I was like, oh, I'm not going to get them again, even though the coin is cool and stuff. But I, I really wasn't going to do that. And then but then I noticed that they had about 13, 14, 15 new figures. And the one that stuck out in my head was Luke Skywalker in the Stormtrooper gear with the removable yes. helmet and i thought oh that's cool that is like that's something i definitely want to and they had the han solo one as well not on that line they did not they didn't I, they didn't no they never made the han solo figure they only i remember not... something about about him being in there and like you had to like special order him or something like that now nah, you're 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 getting ahead that's in the 90s oh we're okay still in the, we're still in 80 84 85 about, about 84 85 and, okay. Uh, yeah, the power of the force. That was the one with the coins. And yeah, there was a few figures that were new, but that was the one that I was really hot on getting, and I was able to get most of them. Um, but I, but this point, I'm like, you know, in you know, I'm 13, 14, getting into high school, interests are changing. I never did, I never stopped liking Star Wars, but I, I started, you know, just, you know, I was also starting. I was a musician, so I was starting getting getting into practicing more and being more of a musician. So mm-hmm. it just kind of took a took a back seat. But man, if I had, if I could go back, and I remember going to places like KB, KB would have such crazy sales because there was an influx of Star Wars product for Return yeah. of the Jedi and Power of the Force, and it just didn't sell as well because people were people were losing interest. So they were selling them in the bin for like fifty cents each, a dollar each. I'm like, even 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 back in the '80s, folks, and you know, a fig fifty cents for a figure, you know, you could. You could take twenty bucks and buy literally forty figures that yeah, are now easily. each worth hundreds of dollars. Easily Ugh, kicking ourselves anyway. And then the last ditch effort was the Lucasfilm uh, okay to Saturday morning cartoon hour that featured two Saturday morning cartoons. This is eighty five, and that was um, mm-hmm. Droids. And I remember Ewoks. Droids. Yeah, I remember both of those. I remember. I'll tell you the one of the things. I guess I'm just an audible person, but I, you know, I loved those cartoons for the sounds because they just used stock Ben Burt sound effects. So when you mm-hmm. heard blasters, you heard the blasters from star Wars When you heard ships flying, you heard the ships flying from star Wars. So I enjoyed it just for that kind of like, st- it's still star Wars. It's still star Wars. And they did have toys. They had a series of droids figures and a series of Ewoks figures. Although the Ewoks looked weird to me because they weren't like the Ewoks from return of the Jedi. Yeah. Um, they, they had more of a cartoonish look yeah. to them. They had a cartoon look. And then I think the Ewoks got a second uh, – well, they got a second season. I don't think they got any more toys. And that was it. And then from yeah. – now, there was stuff in the middle there. You know, there was the Heir to the Empire book. There was some applause figurines. Mm-hmm. There was the Bendem figures, which were just basically those figures that were just all – you can bend them in any, which direction. But essentially, Star Wars collecting was 
dead. And yeah. I remember when, when once we got to like the early nineties, it you know for us for us at a certain age, we were just, oh my god, if only I could go back into my local fill in the blank department store and see a Star Wars aisle again, that would just be so cool. Well, then eventually we got our wish when when Kenner slash Hasbro now uh, released started releasing the Power of the Force two line, and that was in the about ninety five. And I'm not going to go into the whole history after this. It's basically from here on. Yeah. And from here on, now it was Star Wars for a new generation, but collectors were, you know, going after stuff. Sometimes it was based on nostalgia. Um, although I will say that those first run of figures, I don't know if you remember those in the 90s, but they were god awful looking. They, yeah, they were trying they to were... give that buff, you know. Yeah. The, that where Han and, and Luke were like super buff guys, and, and like, they had the chest out. I'm like, Bruh. yeah, it's like they never looked like. But part of it was, I remember because Kenner Kenner had their hand in just about every major property through the 80s and 90s, uh, just about with with a few exceptions. Yeah, because uh, they were constantly competing with Mattel and Hasbro uh, for, and Hasbro wasn't really into the the action figure line as they are now. Because Hasbro was still part of the the they were still you know working on board games and stuff like that, uh-huh. mm-hmm. but like Kenner had their hand on Mask, Mobile Armored Strike Command, Ghostbusters, which both of those were properties that I loved as a kid and I collected a ton of their stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, obviously Star Wars, but there was a variety of different um, toys out there. And then you know by the time you get to the the late '80s, Playmates was hitting it big with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, mm-hmm. and that was kind of since there was nothing new Star Wars related um, as far as media, it was kind of pushing them, pushing everything Star Wars to the back burner. Right. Uh, and so like, and then you had in the late eighties, you had Thundercats and, um, and you had uh, Silverhawks and, and, you know, uh, all these other really interesting um, premise, premises for cartoons. And again, you know, playing up to the, Hey, let's, let's make a whole, mythos out of this with comic books and toys and all the other merchandise you can get um but yeah by the time by the time uh ni- the early to mid 90s rolled around they were trying to bring uh star wars back into popularity or trying to mm-hmm. i remember that they had they used molds from other toy lines that weren't as hot sellers they tweaked them just enough and then they rebranded them um, cause they, cause like, I remember when they the did that first. for star Wars with other, with they, I, I knew they did that with star Wars to other brands. Like, like a lot of the return of the Jedi play sets and figures, uh, ended mm-hmm. up being, um, retooled for Robin hood, um, Prince of thieves. I have the little friar tuck, which, it, which besides the head, it's exactly a Gamorrean guard, you Yeah, know? but I didn't know they did it in reverse. Yeah. Uh, like, um, star Wars. the, the, um, if you um, because when the movie Hook came out with Robin Williams, mm-hmm. they did, Kenner did a whole line of action figures, and what was interesting is I had a figure of Peter Pan, and they made him look all buff and strong. Well, and then a couple years later, when they started bringing out some of these newer Star Wars figures, I, I was looking at some of these figures, and it it caught my attention that one of the faces for Luke Skywalker was the face of the of the Peter Pan figure. They just added longer hair. Oh, okay. Had that that buff look, and I'm like, this is so weird. I have I like I've got this one figure in my toy box, 
and this figure that's sitting there in the blister pack at KB looks exactly like him, but dressed like Luke Skywalker. It was the okay. strangest thing. Okay. Well, uh, the so one of the things that happened back in that that initial Star Wars release of figures, and then it pretty much continued, you know, year mm -hmm. after year after year, was you know there was a a contingency of adults who were being you know crazy. I call them crazy collectors. And by the way, I don't mean it in a in a derogatory sense. No, yeah. I just mean it in a, in an immensely detailed sense because I remember. I mean, and I wasn't one of that level. And I am a collector, and I consider myself a crazy collector in other ways. But but people were going after. I remember the 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 uh, stormtrooper, not stormtrooper, the Boba Fett had like a full disc on his wrist, and then there was one with like a half disc. Obi Wan had a super long lightsaber, then he had one with a short lightsaber. So people were going after all these variants. And, mm -hmm. it, and it was very interesting. And uh, and then I remember going to like the occasional toy show and where all these vendors were there. And I noticed that, you know, there would be hard to get figures. That you couldn't go to the store to buy them because, you know, the way they package them, there might be uh, in a series of figures. There might be like a case of 30 where there were like four, 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 four of everything. And then two of another one and two of another one. And that right. made those two kind of rarer, more rare and you know scalpers would go in and buy those figures right away or they'd slip the manager 20 bucks to get a case you know held for them and then they would sell those figures for crazy amounts of money so and then this beautiful and horrible thing called ebay came into play beautiful i say because it does allow you to basically go to every antique store mm -hmm. flea market garage sale in the world and look for literally anything you want ever yep um, horrible because you know people with it with with time people got to learn how to um, you know play the system and you know make it so that you end up paying more money um, you know shipping became crazy expensive yep uh, and that kind of thing so um, but many of us of us collectors learned that if we couldn't get it in the store we um, were able to find it usually on something like eBay uh, but then uh, what ended up happening around that time, too, was, you know, we we always had a good chance, especially when there was a movie release. Of course, every time there was a movie release, mm -hmm. right, they have Midnight Madness at Toys R Us. Have you been yes. to one of these? Midnight, uh, no. <laughs> Midnight Madness. I have been to every one. I've been since episode one. I've been to every Midnight Madness. There was one for each of the three original movies. There was one for Clone Wars. There was one. I think there were two for Clone Wars. I think there was one for the Clone War, the original when the movie came out, the short Clone Wars movie, and mm -hmm. then they did another one a little few years later, I think. Couldn't be wrong on that. And then there was one for Episode 7 and Episode 8, and I don't think Episode 9 did one, or if they did, it was very minor. Well, um, they did do one for Episode 9, because by that point, Toys R Us had kind of closed the doors. Yeah, I think they closed after Last Jedi, you're right. Yeah. So, and that's a big thing, but, you know, so going from Midnight... Now, Midnight Madness was, I gotta say, was a lot of fun. Um, I bet. It, it was it was a little scary, a little bit overwhelming because, um, you know, you look at this, you know, especially episode one, everybody talks about the Force Awakens and the media blitz and merchandising blitz that was. I'm sorry, but I was I was there for episode one. Episode one was it. I feel blew Force Awakens out of the water when it came to. How I, much I, I agree. I, I mean, agree. it was I mean, they were talking multiple aisles, like long aisles. In Toys R Us and Walmart and Target, it wasn't just you know, but Toys R Us was the king and they were the leader, and everybody oh, yeah. else kind of followed, you know, shuffled in and followed suit. 
And it was, I mean, just incredible. And of course, um, you know, with the, the movie coming out, gets the reception that it gets. Um, and, you know, what I guess the term I'm learning now in hindsight is many of us adults that were collectors were kind of souveniring. You know, we were buying the figures, but we really weren't playing with the figures. We were buying them and collecting them, which is what we were basically doing with a lot of these figures as adults. Kids, oh, yeah. kids were, you know, they were into it, but there was a lot more to keep them, keep kids occupied and keep kids minds and bodies and, you know, attention spans. Um, everything from every other kind of toy under the sun, Nerf, sports, video games, computers, yeah. internet. You know, and just all the stuff that is kind of slowly evolving, you know, the, the China, you know, having being a teacher and my, my wife being a teacher, we see, you know, what the play patterns are like for kids. And it's and it's over the last 20 years, it has changed dramatically. Oh, yeah. So anyway, and I think that's one of the reasons that Toys R Us, I say that because I think that's one of the reasons that Toys R Us kind of lost their footing. Um, I don't think they evolved like they should have. And well, it made it hard for them because when you once Amazon beca uh, became as prolific as yeah. it is, with everything that they're doing, mm -hmm. that made it so much harder. Because uh, then you had like Hasbro, for example, you can go online and buy exactly what it is you want. You'll pay whatever they have set as the price, or if you if they don't have it because it's no longer in stock or because they aren't making it anymore because of the limited run. You can probably find it on eBay, as you mentioned before, or you can find it on uh, Amazon. Right. Uh, back in the after 2010, so like 2010 was probably the last time I went to to Disneyland and uh, and had a, a decent enough experience where like I could go around buying souvenirs for myself mm -hmm. because I got this sucker. This is uh, I got out of. Uh, out of uh, Star Tours, went through the Star Trader uh, you know, store there in Tomorrowland, and they the first thing I saw was build your own lightsaber, something I had been wanting to do for, for years. And so I, I put th this sucker together. I got my crystals and loaded them all up, and I made sure that uh, I liked the sound effect that I liked and went with the purple blade because it just looked cool. Felt like it was a nice blend between walk in the dark side and the light side, because that's just me. I like going rogue. Um, and, uh, and so I, I built this, but I got, I got really into the idea of building my own saber. Uh, started really getting into the concept of, of, you know, the, having those props so I could have them on hand. And so um, I actually went on to eBay and I found someone was selling two complete sets of the Clone Wars versions of the build your own lightsaber, mm -hmm. which the hilts are actually a little bit thinner. Um, and instead of having a colored blade like this, uh, they actually had uh, multi-phasic uh, bulbs that would change color. They're LED bulbs yeah. that would change color depending on the crystal you put in there. Right. Instead of being like a clunky actual plastic crystal, it would be like almost like a card mm -hmm. type of thing. And then um, uh, you uh, and the blade was actually a clear plastic. It would extend out just like this one would, but it was completely clear, so it would reflect whatever light came up through right. the through the tube. And um, and so I've got those. I've got both of them. I thought that it was pretty cool to have. Mm -hmm. um, but then the other one I got. This one I got in two thousand seven, two thousand eight, 
and this is the um, Obi Wan Kenobi uh, episode one, episode two, uh, extent fully extension lightsaber. It's got all the crashing sounds and all that, um, but when you pull back on the activation stud, it actually will eject this uh, spring loaded, um, and I liked it. And so I that's I started going for those those toys because. Action figures are great for me, but like I want to, you know, I, I want something I can actually play with where I can feel like I'm embedded with it. Right. And I don't get the same thing from action figures as I used to as a kid. So those are kind of where I'm where I'm at with that. Well, we're going to come back to that in a minute because that's really fun. That's really interesting. You said that. Um, and I'll tell you why in a minute. But just getting uh, getting away from, uh, you know, getting kind of closer to today. Um, obviously, uh, with the close of Toys R Us, uh, that really did affect toy collecting in general. Yeah. Uh, not that it went away. It just it, it, it definitely, you know, it shifted into a different way of doing it. And one of the reasons it did it, first of all, there are, you know, Hasbro still, I would say, uh, reigns supreme when it comes to the, uh, you know, owning the the, you know, the block, you know, when it comes to collecting Star Wars. Star Wars has essentially fallen into it with Hasbro's fallen into two categories. It's three and three quarter inch still and mm-hmm. it's black series, which are about six inch figures. And uh, I have noticed that the shift seems to be going more towards Black Series. I think that's because, uh, they, in addition to Star Wars, they have Marvel doing that. They have G.I. Joe doing that. They have a lot of other, other like, other, like they, they have come, DC's doing it, Ghostbusters. You can basically find everything in this. And, and, and the six-inch allows you to uh, get a lot more detail, come with, a, you know, put more accessories, and, of course, charge more. So that's and kind of been, the articulation of the different... Right, stuff because that's a huge deal. Because they're like on Instagram, like the mo- like within a day or so after I started following your your Instagram mm-hmm. account, the I started seeing all these posts of of people who are collectors like us. Whether it's most of it's Marvel stuff or DC, mm-hmm. but they are taking these these figurines, uh, they're posing them uh, in these really cool action shots. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and then they're digitizing out like any of the um, the uh, the if, well, they're digitizing or, out like the things holding the the figures in place, like the pegs or the or the springs or whatever that you you don't want to say. Yeah, or the armatures that that, um, well, that hold. Yeah, and the detail that you've had, but now that detail is all has not only been scaled down; it's also been scaled up. Now, scaled mm-hmm. down, meaning the three and three quarter inch figures are, you know, giving the, the six inch a run for their money. And there's always going to be a nostalgic group like myself who love the packaging for the old what they call the racing stripe, which is the the old Star Wars logo racing stripe around it. Mm-hmm. And they've created, you know, they did a it wasn't, it, you know, in the original packaging, it wasn't Lucasfilm that came up with those. It was Kenner. So they came up with the yeah. Star Wars logo. They came up with the Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, and that was the logo. I mean, it could have been. I, I shouldn't say it was Kenner, but it was. It was. It was licensing that came up with it. Whether it's Kenner, Lucas, right. or, it was licensing that came up with that. And they continue to do that with these newer figures. They have a thing called the Vintage Collection, which are all three and three mm-hmm. quarter inch in the original cards, and but they do it for you know. The Force Awakens, Last Jedi, Rise of Skywalker, The Mandalorian, Expanded Universe, um, even things like you know Battlefront, uh, Battlefront Two, um, Fallen, you know Jedi Fallen Order, like every video game, every every you know book, uh, book of Boba Fett, Obi Wan, all the different. Still things. cannot find a decent Star Killer figurine. Yeah, really? Have it, you looked? Because really? have you really the the, the VC Star Killer figure? You don't like that one? 
I don't have no, it with like, me. I mean, it's down down in my basement. I'm, I'm thinking, well, from um, the Force Unleashed. Yeah, I'm talking to I mean. There's they they just came, they came out with one within the last year or two. Look Did they? I'm pretty sure. Vintage collection or or uh, or black series? No, I thought it was. Okay, we're getting. All right, hold on. Uh, vintage. So I'm gonna say vintage collection. I'm gonna say I'm gonna put VC Star Killer. Um, Star I'm looking Killer. on. Um... Yeah, it's um, expanded universe. I'm putting in a. Oh, yep, I see it here, as the version of him from The Force Awakens Part Two. It's my my phone won't come up. You can do it from far away, but uh, yeah, it came out a few years ago. But it, it it's it's I thought it was pretty good. Um, anyway though, uh, yeah, obviously Hasbro still kind of is the big kid on the block, but. There have been other companies that have really gotten involved, um, most notably, well, even Hasbro. I mean, one of the things that I've learned is another great uh, YouTuber called Spectro Creative. Have you ever seen that? No, um, I haven't. It, it's basically a, a toy maker, right? The guy who's worked for Mattel, he worked for Jack Specific, and he worked on the Star Wars brand for Jack's, Jack Specific. He did the one with the, the big figs, you know, the big 18-inch. Mm -hmm. Two, two feet ones, you know, three feet ones. And, um, you know, he talks about why things happen the way they are, how it happens in toy companies, why things work, why they don't seem to put the collector first and instead are, you know, focusing on the kid market. And that's why the reasons why, you know, you go into a Star Wars aisle in a Walmart or Target and you see a lot of things like, um, uh, you know, Mission Fleet or Micro Gal Galaxy Squadron. These are like little smaller details, smaller figures that many collectors just don't want to start a new line of collecting, so they don't bother. But um, but it's really because they're selling, they're trying to sell to a kid market. They're trying to follow the trends of what kids like to play with, because that's where the bulk of the sales come from. And us collectors yeah. really don't don't have it. But there are other things like um, Gentle Giant, which sells like busts and statues. They are more high end collectibles. Um, they sell one cool thing that the Gentle Giant does is they actually have taken the vintage collection, the retro figures from the 70s and 80s and they've blown them up to like foot size foot 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 tall and just made like larger versions of them which are kind of cool huh. um yeah they're really fun sideshow has made they, they they for a while had the license for the 12 inch like more detailed really nice 12 inch figures yeah um, and then hot toys came along and i don't know I, i'm a little confused by it there's Sideshow, there's Hot Toys. I order, I don't have them all, but I order them once in a while from, from the Sideshow website. And sometimes the figure comes in and it says Sideshow on the box. And sometimes it comes in and it says Hot Toys. Hot Toys seems to be like the absolute 100% if you want a photo real movie accurate version of a character, of not just from Star Wars, but from many franchises, but in 12 inch format. You want to do Star Tours or Star Tours. <laughs> you want to do Hot Toys, and uh, it's incredible what they come up with. Obviously, it's more expensive. Yeah, and, absolutely. And then there's some places from Japan, there's Bandai, which do like kind of kind of like Black Series size figures. Some like them better, but they're they don't sell them here. You either have to buy them on the secondary market or order them from Japan and pay oodles and oodles of shipping cost. And then Kotobukiya does statues and other kind of collectibles. And then of course there's Lego. And I got to say, for 25 years, Lego has really been what I feel is the absolute like king of creating Star Wars um, product, IP product, and being able to keep it constantly 
flowing, new ideas, new items coming in. That's where Hasbro's kind of had issues with shipping and distribution. You mentioned before how you can go on to Hasbro and make a purchase, just go online. Well, I got to tell you, it's not as easy as that. What's been happening is uh, everything, they've been doing everything as pre-orders. So you pre-order and, oh, we're going to release these figures on this date. So that day comes and you're not, you're not going to order the figure. You're going to pre-order the figure. And the next week they do it again. And the next week they do it again. So it used to be you go into a store and you just kind of go in and, oh, look, the whole line is the whole case is there. I'm going to buy the case or buy one of each or, oh, there's two here the next week. Oh, there's three here, but here it's all pre-ordered and they don't know when everything's coming in. And you can have as many as, as a collector, you can be collecting and setting up as many as 50, 60, 70 individual pre-orders. And then sometimes they all ship at once, which is what happened to me when, when I was on vacation and for a few weeks and I had, you know, boxes and boxes stacking up in front of my house. Thank heavens. I had a, a, a person house sitter come and grab them, but it can be very frustrating because it's just, and, and, and out of nowhere, they can cancel um, for no reason. Not, no reason that they give you. So it's, it's just, it can be very yeah. frustrating. So, but it is just the state of it. And, um, you know, they've, they're getting better. I will say this. They seem to be, you know, uh, supply chain and shipping issues seem to be resolving somewhat. So that's good. Um, but all those things that happen. Um, also, think companies like Disney, Disney Parks. You mentioned your, that's what I want to mention. Disney Parks, since they bought the Lucasfilm license, has uh, done some amazing things. Most notably, uh, Galaxy's Edge, which is a, you know, land both within Disneyland and within Hollywood Studios and Disney World Florida. And not there's not a single product in there that's available anywhere else outside of Disney, outside of that. So, and there's yeah. tons and tons of product. Now, you know, you can pick and choose. Um, it's definitely more for the, for the Star Wars fan that wants to feel like they're living in the universe. So you talk about building a lightsaber. They have a whole lightsaber building experience. Of course, this is much more high end. Um, and, yeah, and with the high end comes, comes a, a higher cost as well. Uh, like, yes, I've, I've wanted to go to uh, Galaxy's Edge, and 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 part of that is just for the sake of going and riding on the rides. Um, they look so cool. Like I've I've watched like the the first person, you know, POV, you know, going through the ride, and it, while as cool as that is, it's not anywhere close to being the same as being there. Absolutely. Um, you know, and I mean. As a foodie, I want to go like it's been my experience that some some food items in the park are not great. I mean, if if I go and grab churros, churros are always going to be good. I'm never going to have a problem with churros um, because churros are just fantastic. (laughs) But I mean, like I'm, I'm the kind of person where like I will try to avoid eating in the park as much as I can unless like like the last time I was in Disneyland was. Uh, four years ago four and a half years ago and um, I was with a group of friends and um, obviously this is before Galaxy's Edge had ever been uh, announced or maybe it had been they just hadn't they said hey coming soon right right Um, but yeah I remember being there they had they had closed down parts of um, Thunder Mountain Ranch to start making those those construction plans but me and the group I was with, we went, I mean, we specifically went to go eat at Blue Bayou because 
nobody of all the people in our group i was the only person who had ever eaten there before mm-hmm. and so i'm like yeah let's go eat there and so you know uh but i would like to go and try it um i i don't know how you are about like you know the tavern or the the canteen or whatever but there's some drinks there that look pretty good although oh, I- I got to tell you, it's, it's, it's amazing. And, and uh, I, I'm so fortunate to be able to get there as much as I do. And I've been able to go down and there are, you know, essentially when you're just speaking of food, there are, um, there's essentially the Rana roaster, which is a very popular kind of like a sausage kind of wrap that you can get and a bunch of variants around it. There's, um, the docking bay 94 or docking bay seven. I would say docking bay 94 because that's from the movie docking bay seven which is there's not a sit down restaurant. It's like a counter service, but you can order f- all the different kind of foods and it's all, the, I have tried every single thing that they serve there and I've loved every single thing that they serve there. Um, it does have, you know, they, they do, there's something about otherworldly food that has to be spicy. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's not overly spicy. It's just, there's, there's unique spices to it. So um, you got to be a little willing to try those things. But um, most of the Docking Bay 7 food to me is a hit, you know, when it comes to hit or miss. Um, There's the blue milk and the green milk. Um, Everybody has an opinion about it. I've never had a problem with either. The only thing you got to know, all I warn people is do not go in expecting a milkshake. Think more like a smoothie. Yeah, that's what I've heard. And, And, uh... And I think once you go in expecting it to be more of a fruity smoothie flavor you're fine but if you go in there expecting a milkshake you're not going to be you're not going to it's going to throw you and um i I am a little partial to the blue milk over the green milk but i don't hate the green milk um some people like to combine them and you can get them with rum or with tequila so you can enjoy the alcohol there and then speaking of that you know i'm not a huge drinker but um cantina the august cantina has a dozen different drinks both with and without alcohol that um, I've, I've heard are, you know, very popular. Something that your Galaxy's Edge that California had for a long time that we didn't have on here in the East Coast was the, um, it was a Black Spire cold brew. And it's basically a cold brew coffee, but it was yeah. with cocoa puffs and a cream cheese kind of creamer on the top. And it's the it most amazing really thing. Sugary, and I think I would enjoy that. Oh, it's amazing. And you, you know, mix it up. <laughs> And it's so good. I can't even tell you. And they finally got it on the East Coast. Um, and uh, we were, I think they just clamored. People were like, because, you know, I know that Disneyland is more of a locals park. So they try to mix yeah. things up a little bit. They do slightly different foods here and there. They add things. They take things away. Well, when they added that and they didn't add it on the East Coast, there were well, The other thing is, words. Yeah, uh, <laughs> words cold brew itself is, is, is more popular here on the West Coast than it is, I think, over on the East Coast. Because, like, my sister lives in Brooklyn and I, you know, and like, yeah, Starbucks is doing a lot of cold brew, but like not a lot of other places are. And so I think, I think it's a kind of a regional thing as yeah. well. It's starting so to like, come though. I've heard a lot more and more places have it here. Like Dunkin' Donuts now has it. And yeah, you know, so we're, it, it's becoming more and more of a thing. So we'll see where that goes. But um, so yeah, but Galaxy's Edge in and of itself is really the adults playground. I mean, kids love it. And and they have a great time walking around, and there's characters there, and the you know this it's just a cool place. But it is a unique experiment of of what it's like to you know be a Star Wars fan that rather than playing with your toys, playing your adventures, 
you know, you're doing it for real. And yeah. um, there's some really, really cool things. But Disney Parks, even before Galaxy's Edge opened, they did a lot of cool things. You were talking about build, build a lightsaber. They were also doing build a droid. You know, they had a little build a droid where you can put everything together and make your own droid. They now release like Halloween themed droids, R2 units, and Christmas themed, and all sorts of uh, different ones every year. And people yeah. seek them out. So, you know, this there's no end in sight for that. Um, I will say that, you know, the whole... There is a, I've been noticing in stores that we're getting a slow return to normal. Like we're seeing things in the stores again. Mm -hmm. um, I know that uh, I will say that, you know, as a collector, you know, I, I've I've actually kind of shifted. I still collect, but I, I did the something for the first time this past June. I had a huge yard sale that I sold off a huge chunk of my collection. You'd not know what to look at my basement. But I did, you know, I sold off a huge chunk. Now, why did I do this? Well, for, you know, and I talk about this on my channel, you know, every collector's lament, you know, there's only so much room, you know, when, when the original trilogy came out as much for as much Star Wars as there was, when it came to the figures and the toys and, you know, the, the, the more ancillary items that people like to collect, there wasn't that much. It was, yeah. it was a very doable amount. And then when the new one came out in 95 and they started releasing figures again, you know, we were thinking they were just going to make a little line of figures, you know, maybe 12 figures and that would be it. So everyone was trying to get all the figures. Then 12 all of a sudden became 24 and then became 50 and then became 100. And next thing you know, they're releasing the, you know, two, uh, Boba Fett 500th figure, you know, and then next thing you know, they're, you know, episode one, episode two, episode three, Clone Wars yeah. has figures. And now, you know, the, my favorite was when Lucasfilm, or sorry, Disney bought Lucasfilm and there was a press conference where with Disney licensing and they said, yeah, it went like this. It said, this is like 2000, you know, I guess 12, 13. Yeah. Something we had, like that, yeah. We'd gotten through the, 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 the next trilogy. There had been the clone wars, tons of collecting, tons of merchandise out there at this. Yeah. Point. And Disney went in a press conference. They said something. And I remember this, you know, almost word for word said, well, we've analyzed the Lucasfilm licensing model and we feel that uh, while, while it's very nice and, and, and it's done, it's been very successful for them. We feel that for Disney, it's not quite as aggressive. So we're going to be really, really pushing harder on licensing. We're all like, what are you, what? <laughs> you know, all of a sudden collectors everywhere were like, Oh my God. So they're saturating the market with you as know, much stuff as I, possible. I mean, it was a both. It was both that, the saturation part of like, oh my God, you know, anybody who did collect for value was not going to be able to retain the value of what they had. But also right. people who just liked the cool stuff that they were coming out with, especially when they came out with stuff in Galaxy's Edge. And it was like, oh my God, everything in this, every single thing here is amazing. So, oh, and then of course we have to, we, I forgot about one company that, you know, has, you know, cornered the market on certain things. And that is our good old friends at Funko Pop. Dude. Funko I, Pop. Uh, my, my son is like completely obsessed with Godzilla. Oh my God. Part, really? Part, oh, well, for a five and a half year old, you think that's kind of weird, but with, with my, with my son, he's uh, one, he's on the spectrum. So there's, he's going to cling on to certain things far better than he would others. Um, but yeah, I inadvertently uh, let him watch an old 1960s. Uh, it was Godzilla versus mega Godzilla. Um, and even though he had never seen the movie, he quickly he quickly picked out that the Godzilla we see at the very beginning is actually Mecha Godzilla wearing skin, oh, um, okay. not and not the actual Godzilla. Um, 
because Godzilla is a good guy, which is great. I'm glad that he picked up on Godzilla being a, a protector and a hero, but uh, he got really into it. And I, we've had to curb that because he starts reenacting. Uh, <laughs> oh no. But, um, or you could just build him a little like, you know, Tokyo out well, of like blocks. <laughs> the, uh, the comic book shop here in town, um, the, uh, the guy who runs it, he, uh, his family has been involved with the 501st for the longest time. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so he's got a, a, cl- a clone commander Ville costume. He's got Boba Fett scout trooper, armor um so he and then you know he does all sorts of cosplay but uh he has a whole line of funko pops just on display in the front of the store and he had godzilla and so i had to get it for my kid because <laughs> of course yeah so that's fun- what he likes funko pop man they you know i mean they have literally everything but there's no shortage of star wars and no. uh, so, so you know it's it, it I mean, from a on the one hand, you can say that, you know, there really is no I don't think there's any end in sight for, um, you know, the state of collecting. It's just, you know, how people collect uh, is going to evolve over the years. I do think that like other collectors are kind of I, I don't want to I don't want to say I'm, I'm feeling fatigue because I'm not yeah. really angry. I'm not angry about it. That's the thing. I don't feel mad. I, I, I at least there are collectors that get so angry that, you know, Hasbro comes out with. Uh, they just announced two Andor figures for the Andor series, but only in Black Series. They haven't announced, I don't think, very much for Vintage Collection. And there was a, oh, another big thing that was a big, huge drama that ended up being nothing um, was uh, when Hasbro made a plea, not a plea, a, a pledge to do, do away with plastic in their packaging in 2023. And... Um, they, they realize their figurines are made of plastic, right? Well, all right. Here, here was their. <laughs> actually, I'll say this. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't. That doesn't fly. That that statement doesn't fly with me. I understand why people say that and they joke about it, and I get it. But there is a big difference in what they were saying, which I think makes sense because I've done it as an unboxer. I can tell you this. Uh, what happens to all of the boxes when I unbox? They get tossed in the trash. Right. And they basically end up in a landfill. Okay. Whereas if it's cardboard and I can recycle it, then it's not a big deal. All right. Yeah. But if it's, a, there's a lot of plastic from both the, the clamshell and all the stuff on the inside to keep it in steady and all the, the, the twist all ties the and everything, all the wiring and everything. So that stuff it's gets in, ends up in a landfill and you know, there's tons of this stuff going out there. And that was their ar- original argument was that their original thing was like, look, we understand that kids, you know, generally speaking, a toy Yes, it's made of plastic, but the toy is going to be played with. It's going to be kept in a toy unit. It's going to be passed along to somebody else. It's going to be sold in a yard sale. It's going to be, you know, it's very rarely going to end up in a garbage bin unless it gets eaten up by the dog. Okay. So, you know, that's basically what they said. Whereas the plastic and the packaging gets tossed out. So they said, we're going to do away with that by 2023. Well, all the Star Wars collectors and other action figure collectors when it were like screaming up in arms oh my god i can't believe you're doing this because that meant that the vintage collection figure would no longer look like it did it would yeah. be it would be somehow different well they have since come back and said we understand now, i don't know if this was a direct response to the to the backlash or if they had always decided to do this but they said look the vintage collection will have the plastic bubble in it because we know that most people collect that keep it in the package and it's sought after as a collectible and it, again it'll be pat it's not going to end up very unlikely to end up in a landfill because it's going to be passed along 
So, but it was all this drama, and I don't know if that was a direct result of it or not. But you know, to me, it's like you know, police people. You know, we have a lot more problems in the world than plastic packaging. Um, you know, whether they want to do away with it or not. So, uh, but for me, it's just become like I've thinned some of it out. Some of it, some of it, I like. For example, a lot of the money I made this summer, we went down to Disney and I built a lightsaber. <laughs> so I nice. used. You know, the money from a bunch of things I sold to build a lightsaber. I built a little droid, you know, and we had dinner at a bunch of nice restaurants. So it, it ended up being better. And also, you know, just being older and realizing that um, I don't want to die and leave my wife and daughter with the burden of having to get rid of a basement full of Star Wars stuff. <laughs> I would like to maybe thin it out a little bit. And as we yeah. go, you know, anyway, so that's, you know, that's kind of the state of it. I think that people um you know we invite people that listen to uh, email or chime in or give us their thoughts you can go on to my uh channel at darth super star wars unboxing show and uh, at um youtube and kind of chime in on one of the comments in one of the videos there but i think that's good for today i think we kind of covered a lot of it uh yeah so garrett where can people find you uh, uh people can find me on uh social media uh instagram and twitter at gkj underscore publishing you can also find me on YouTube, uh, GKJ Publishing. I'm getting ready to launch my uh, my fifth season of book reviews uh, of uh, all sorts of cool stuff, and uh, I'm really looking forward to that. Um, I've got some great author interviews coming up this season. I'm I'm looking forward to sharing that with uh, people. Okay, cool. And as I said, you can find me on YouTube at Darth Tuba Star Wars Unboxing Show. Uh, at Darth Tuba on Instagram and Twitter, Darth Tuba Star Wars Unboxing page on Facebook, and uh, you can email me at DarthTuba77 at gmail.com. And as for the for the podcast proper, we are War of the Stars, a Star Wars podcast. Our email is WarofTheStars1 at gmail.com, which is also our Twitter, Twitter handle. You can also search War of the Stars, a Star Wars podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, we are as a podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and pretty much wherever podcasts can be found. So that'll do it for today, and we'll be back next week with another fun topic. But until then, remember, this isn't just my Star Wars. This isn't just your Star Wars. This is our Star Wars. May the Force be with you all.